what am I afraid of? What as my children are growing up and pulling away and growing into these amazing beings who are strong-willed and have their voice, but I don't want them to have their voice with me. You know, I wanted them to stand up for themselves in the outer world, outside of our home, but not with me. I wanted them to listen to me. So why was that? So I had to really deconstruct and understand what that was. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Today, we will dive into a parenting method Oprah Winfrey called a revolutionary approach that can change parenting as we know it. I first learned about the philosophy of conscious parenting while listening to Own's Super Soul Sunday podcast. The approach stems from the idea of Dr. Shafali and her bestsellers, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. The process encourages parents to wake up, so to speak, and ask themselves why they are trying to so desperately control their child's destiny. Today, certified conscious parent coach Tia Fagan joins SparkJoy. Tia's passion is helping parents create deeper connections, increase communication, and improve their relationships with their children. As parents implement conscious parenting practices in their home, They create more harmony in their heart, their family, and their life. Welcome to Spark Joy, Tia. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Welcome to Spark Joy, Tia. Thank you. So let's start with this idea, this term, conscious parenting. I think that those two terms have so many different meanings, but for you, they really kind of fit into kind of a broader scope of the work that you're doing as a coach. Could you tell us a little bit about how you define conscious parenting? Sure. Like you said, you know, everyone has their own definition. But for me, conscious parenting means that we're able to notice how we as parents influence the relationship we have with our children. So conscious parenting is not about fixing the child, controlling the child. It's about us and the parent and how we are with them. So basically, it means we have an understanding of ourselves, our pain points, and that we work really hard not to project our fears and those controlling methods onto our kids. So we accept them as they are, not who we wish them to be. And I believe that this conscious relationship cultivates the environment for our kids to not only develop and thrive physically, but also mentally and emotionally as well. So it's for me, it's a whole life experience. So but it starts with us first, the parent. I'm sure there's a story behind how you became a conscious parent coach, similar to how we became Kunmari consultants. And there's always a certification path and also a personal journey and career shift. What is your story, Tia? Sure. It's a long winding path for me. I love the path having been through it, but at times walking that path was filled with uncertainty and not knowing. So In my, I call it my previous life, I was a civil and environmental engineer. So I was extremely analytical and very process oriented, you know, fixing problems. And then I became a parent. And in that, I cut back on my work hours and dove in deep as I did with everything and became a mom to my twin daughters. 
And in that process, I read every parenting book I could get my hands on, you know, if this was happening, oh, how do I fix that? How do I address what's showing up now? Oh, that's not working now. What should I try? So I just kept learning and trying different things. And then as I kept going on that path, you know, there was something missing and I wasn't quite sure what it was. So I started, you know, exploring different things beside engineering. I quit my job there and I started dabbling in different things. And ironically, I was a professional organizer for three years and I loved it. But I knew there was something else on my passion, on my journey. And in that process, I started really working on myself. So I did a lot of personal growth work, you know, reading books, taking additional courses, just really diving into what makes me tick, what pieces were missing, what were my pain points. And then along the way, Dr. Shafali released her book, The Conscious Parent, and I read that. And when I read that book, it was like the missing puzzle piece just was put right into place. And it touched that part of me that hadn't made the connection between the personal growth work I was doing to my parenting, even though there was bleed over there, it wasn't done in a conscious way. And so for me, it really touched me on a deep level that this was the way I wanted to parent my children. And then as I went along and I was learning from Dr. Shafali, all of a sudden the light bulb went on. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And at the time, Dr. Shafali did not have a coaching certification. So I went through and was certified through JAI. And then once Dr. Shafali opened up her coaching institute, I immediately signed up and applied and was accepted. So I'm excited to be a certified conscious parent coach under Dr. Shafali's method now as well. So that that's my, my long winding journey with other stops in between that I didn't share. But it's been a fun one. And it has really opened my eyes and my heart to all sorts of things. Well, of course, we're so excited to know that you were a professional organizer at one time. And we definitely see the connection. So we're really excited to kind of bring those two things from your own experience together into the podcast. One of the things that I found really interesting in your initial comments about what conscious parenting is, is this idea of not parenting from fear. And when you mentioned that, I was just thinking of all of the things that are to be afraid of as a parent. And this idea that when your children are really small, you're really responsible for so many things. And then incrementally, you let go of some of that control as your child begins to grow and develop their own personhood. So I'm really interested to know how your work in in conscious parenting has impacted your own family life and yourself as a parent. It has impacted myself as a parent and my family life tremendously. As my children were getting older and their autonomy was getting stronger, I have two very amazing, strong-willed daughters. And it was really starting to cause a lot of fear and me wanting to control. You know, they were pulling away. I was excited for them to pull away, but I also was afraid. And as I said, I I read Dr. Shafali's book about five, six years ago, and my daughters were in middle school. So that's always a big time, right, for our kids of really pushing and pulling away, coming back. And so I was in this place of knowing what I knew, but knowing that piece was missing. There was more conflict in our home because they were trying to tell me and mirror back to me the areas that I needed to work on, but I I didn't quite get it at that time. So we had more conflict. We had more me wanting to micromanage areas that they didn't need me to micromanage. Mm -hmm. And then I read Dr. Shafali's book and I took all the inner working work that I had done with myself before. Like I said, I hadn't really 
put the piece together that that works with parenting too, for some reason. But when I read that book, it really made me take a step back and say, what am I afraid of? What as my children are growing up and pulling away and growing into these amazing beings who are strong-willed and have their voice, but I don't want them to have their voice with me. You know, I wanted them to stand up for themselves in the outer world, outside of our home, but not with me. I wanted them to listen to me. So why was that? So I had to really deconstruct and understand what that was. And for me, one of the fears was they're going to grow up and they're not going to need me anymore. And so once I put that piece in place, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. Now, did it immediately change things? No, because it's a muscle we have to practice. So for me, recognizing, okay, here's my fear. Is it true? Am I in the present moment or am I projecting myself 10 years out into the future? No, what I need to do is connect with my kids. I need to work on the relationship and celebrate their voice with me. (laughs) Celebrate them saying, no, mom, that doesn't work for me. This is what works for me. I need to listen. And the minute I was able to sit beside my fear, things really started to shift. So it's not that the fear doesn't still show up from time to time, but now it's no longer driving the bus. It's sitting alongside me or sometimes like, you know, or it's in the back seat now. So I'm able to consciously recognize because it doesn't mean the fears fully go away. Mm-hmm. It just means we make friends with the fear. We connect. It's all about connection. Wow. I love that. And speaking of connections, you know, on Spark Joy, a lot of times we try to find the commonalities in the struggles that we all have with being organized or getting organized. So I'm sure that there are lots of commonalities in the challenges that parents today face. Can you talk a little bit about in your work what you've recognized are some of the commonalities that that seem to be issues that a lot of parents are dealing with these days? Definitely. There's definite commonalities. Uh, A lot of times it shows up differently in families, you know, because everyone's an individual. Everyone has their own stories, their own upbringing, their own things they bring to the table. So what may trigger one parent may not trigger another, but the underlying issue is often similar. So the things I see most often, there's really three things I can pinpoint down right off the bat would be disrespect, our belief that our kids are being disrespectful to us, not listening. You know, I I have to tell them 20 times and then I have to raise my voice and then they finally listen. And then screen time. You know, that's not something we grew up with. We didn't have little personal devices we could take everywhere. So parents navigating technology. And so with all those, you know, it may show up with a toddler not wanting to brush their teeth. You know, it may show up with not wanting to put away their toys or they cook something in the kitchen and they it takes forever to get them to clean up or it's not cleaned up to our standards, which is a big one. You know, or screen time, you know, getting them to turn off the video games and come to dinner. But underneath it all, it's that lack of attunement and understanding, you know, and that connection. So recognizing, let's put the spotlight back on ourselves. Where are we coming from? Why do we feel this is disrespectful? Why do we feel they're not listening? Maybe I'm not listening to them. Maybe I'm not really showing them respect. It's taking that step back again. But so those are some of the the common themes that you see. And like I said, it shows up differently in each family, in each person, but uh, it comes down to disrespect, not listening in, in the ultimate screen time battles. I think it's so interesting now that I'm learning more and more about this parenting method, how it overlaps with Kanmari uh, because Kanmari is so focused on mindfulness, gratitude, and being conscious and present. 
And it's also about really looking within before you try to change others. So it's really internal, being accountable, being honest and bringing the reality of, in, in our case, organization and in your case, parenting to the forefront here and making a change from there. So this is just so interesting to me, like how much it overlaps. And I remember when I watched the Super Soul Sunday episode with Dr. Shafali, not only were they talking about common challenges that parents face, and you've captured that so well, Tia, they also were talking about myths, which I found really interesting, common myths about parenting that have convinced parents how children should be rather than allowing the space for who a child actually is. And I'd love for us to discuss that here as well. And can you share some of the uh, myths that come up and the work you've done to help parents really change the narrative? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Shafali uh, identified seven myths. There's obviously more, but she identified seven myths in the Awakened Family. And I'll just pinpoint a couple of them because we could be talking for hours. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I'll pick two of them just because they're really accessible Mm -hmm. and they kind of follow the theme with organizing as well. So the first one would be, and it's actually her first myth, is that parenting is about the child, right? So how many times do we think our child is making me angry or our child is not putting away their clothes, right? So it's always about the child. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is parenting is about us, the parent, because children are doing what children do. Because I can guarantee every single one of your listeners and myself included, and probably the two of you. We didn't always put our clothes away as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) No. And we weren't doing it to irritate our parents. We just were busy reading our book or playing outside or doing something else or something else more important to us in that moment. Doesn't mean it didn't get done. It may not have gotten done when they wanted it to get done. So instead of looking at the child and their behavior, it's looking again. You hear this a lot from me, turning the spotlight back on ourselves, the parent. Why am I frustrated? Just taking the example of not putting the clothes in the hamper. Why am I frustrated with my child for not putting the clothes in the hamper? Okay, (laughs) well, I'm frustrated with them because I feel like I'm not a good enough parent. I haven't taught them well and they're not listening to me. Okay, so what about that is really bothering me today? Because yesterday it didn't bother me. You know, so it's noticing that present moment, like you said, right? So it's Mm -hmm. being present, it's being aware, and it's turning the spotlight back on our pain points. Why are we getting worked up and upset? Why are we reacting instead of responding? And then noticing what energy am I bringing to the table? You know, how am I asking my child to put away their clothes? Am I giving them a choice? You know, do you want to do it before dinner or after dinner, before you brush your teeth or after you brush your teeth? You know, so it's, it's noticing the energy we're bringing to the table. It's noticing, you know, we may have had a very stressful day at work and all these other things going on and we're dumping on our kids in that moment. And the clothes are just what's there in the moment for us to get upset about, but it's really not about the clothes. So it's bringing it back to ourselves, noticing what our pain point is, what are our fears, you know, and how is our child mirroring back to us where we need to grow? So instead of focusing so much on our child, it's focusing on our energy, on our pain points, on our own inner child that needs parenting. So parenting ourselves first is where we need to start. So that'd be the myth. Parenting is about our child. It's not, it's about us. And then I would say the other myth to bring up right now would be, you know, we've talked a lot about control already, but it's parents need to be in control. How many times have you heard, whether someone said it to yourself or you've heard it somewhere else that you need to be the parent, right? 
Mm-hmm. You need to be in control. You need to control your child's behavior. You need to, you need to, you should, you should, all of that. But the reality is, like you said earlier, in organizing, we can't control other people. <laughs> we can't control our husband putting the dishes exactly the way we want them in the dishwasher. We can put them the way we want them in the dishwasher, but we can't control the way they do. So for us, recognizing that we are not truly in control of our kids, we may have a false sense of control. You know, we may have a very complicit child who does what we ask when we ask it, or we may have a child who doesn't want to listen because they're trying to exert their own sense of control. So it's really, you know, recognizing that we only control ourselves, we only control our own emotions, we only control our own actions. But what we can do is we can create those conditions for the child to rise. We can recognize, we can hear them fully, we can see them fully, we can attune to them and recognize in that process, we need to also attune to ourselves. So it's letting go of controlling our child and working with our child not parenting over, but parenting with. The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. I'm hearing so many interesting similarities between the work that you do in your coaching and the work that we do as organizers. You know, a lot of times in Kanmai, we talk about this idea that that our environment and the things that are around us tell stories about who we are and what's important to us. And, you know, it doesn't, doesn't just happen that people all of a sudden wake up one morning and realize that their homes are feel out of control. Usually it's a long period of time and lots of things have gone on that have gotten a person to a place where they feel like they want to make a change. So we always talk about this idea of a vision and taking a look at what the values are and have those values changed over time. And and only really then are people able to make a change that's more than just superficial, which is really, I think, so important in Kanmari, you know, because Going through this process, whether it's learning how to be a better parent or getting your home in order is not necessarily a fun thing. So when you're doing it, you want to make sure that you're doing it the most efficient and effective way and and once and for all, as we say in Kanmai often. What are some of the first steps that someone should take toward becoming a more conscious parent? You know, things that will really make a difference and really impact them, you know, as you said, because this is really about the parent. Right, definitely. I would say, you know, two simple places someone can start with would be, you know, and they can try both or pick one. I have clients who start with one or do both simultaneously because it works for them is the simple task of meditating. And it sounds simple because it really is because we have this vision that meditation, you know, everything has to be perfect. We have to be sitting on a cushion. Everything has to be quiet. Meditation 
does not have to be that way. And I work with clients on accessible meditation with self-compassion and recognize things aren't going to just be still for 20 minutes. That's not the way our brain works and it takes time. So I recommend people meditate. Just start with a couple minutes a day or two or three times a week. So just being still, noticing your breath. And the other step I encourage people to take is to journal. So again, doesn't have to be anything in depth. It's just a place to start. So at the end of the day, I encourage a parent to sit down, you know, let's say they had a challenging moment with their child and just write about it and then write a do-over. If you could do it again, how do you wish it would be? And as they start to write, other things start to come up. Like my example I shared about how as my kids got more autonomous, I was afraid they were going to leave me forever, you know? But that was the underlying fear within me. So when they write out those things, those underlying fears we may not be aware of can come to the surface. So that's a good place for people to start because what it does is it puts us in a place of exploration and observation and allows us to get curious. Because when we're curious, we're more likely to look at things without judgment. And that's another important part to becoming a conscious parent is it is what it is. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean it's bad just is what it is. And that's how acceptance starts. So once we can work through that, you know, like you said, just like with your clients, you know, we talk about values, your vision, you know, what is your intention? How is it changing? What's your intention for today? It might not be the same as it was yesterday, but it's a place to start. Loving this. I almost see someone walking through the tidying process and the conscious parenting process almost as like two different branches or exercises because there's overlap in terms of you're starting with setting your intention and your vision and you're taking time to be still and meditate and to appreciate and explore through journaling and other suggestions that you gave, like kind of where you want to go, but also where you want your family to go. So this is just so great. And I also wanted to ask you specifically about some of the things that come up in our work, I know when I am tidying with parents all around Chicago, there are certain possessions that come up a lot. Toys, artwork, and clothing, those are definitely some of the areas where clutter just continues to be an issue for parents. And I'm curious, what are some practical ways parents can show up for their children by viewing these items through a lens of conscious parenting, as well as Kanbari and, and how they spark joy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, when I watched the Netflix series that she had on, and it just, it really spoke to me because, you know, just the appreciation for each object, each mm-hmm. thing, and just the respect and the gratitude. And that comes with conscious parenting as well. You know, so are we in lack or are we in abundance? So you know, whether it's toys or that artwork, you know, we have so much of it, it's really hard to part with some of the artwork from our kids. But it's recognizing, you know, does it spark joy? Okay, so with conscious parenting, tuning into yourself, tuning into that, you know, that fear of letting that go? Or is this something I I would like to keep? Is this a toy that my child plays with that sparks joy? You know, and I'm sure you involve the kids in the process where possible, recognizing you know, tuning and realizing what is this object representing for you? What is the story behind it? Sitting with it, feeling it within your body. You know, it's the same with conscious parenting. We, 
have to become familiar and accepting of our feelings and our emotions because we model that for our kids because we want them to be able to feel happy, joyful, and then also be able to be sad and frustrated. So when you go through those toys, the clothing, the artwork, it's recognizing as a conscious parent that this is not your child. This is an object that represents and has a story behind it. So notice, notice what you're feeling, notice any emotions that come up and have gratitude. And as you sit with that, you'll know whether or not it's something that you want to keep or something that it's time to give gratitude to and let go. Wow, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Along those same lines, we would love to know what your favorite, I don't know, parenting or parenting tidying tip would be. Sure. I can give you one of each if you want. Sure. sure. (laughs) Sure. All right. So I would say one of my favorite parenting tips is, and it just comes down to connection, you know, connection, connection, connection. And that translates across the board to everything in conscious parenting. So connection to yourself, you know, just like I was talking about as you go through the toys and all that connection to your feelings, connection to what is rising up within you. But then also, you know, for the example, let's say they're trying to get their kids to put their toys away in the evening. You know, how are we asking our kids to help? And how are we making it so it's something that comes from them inherently from the inside or externally because we're making them do it? Well, that starts with connecting, you know, connect with your child, look in their eyes, ask him about this toy or that toy, you know, go through the process together when they're younger. You know, it doesn't mean it's smooth sailing all the time. There's gonna be days no one wants to pick up. But when you connect, you're connecting to that inner piece of yourself and that inner piece of your child. And that's where the magic happens. So connection, 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 always go back to connection. Doesn't mean there's not fears and other things coming up, but that's where you connect with yourself. And then you connect with your child's spirit. And then just tidying up, I would say, you know, for me, particularly, I'll just use my own self as an example, the artwork, right? So my kids are starting college in the fall. So I have gone through years of artwork, (laughs) lots more when they were little, and it, it tapered off a little more, but with art classes in high school and whatnot. And what has helped me over the years is sitting with each object, right? And I lay them out and I honor them. And then I go through it again later. <laughs> I don't have to do it all in one fell swoop. Just like we can't be a conscious parent. It's not like we just put a key in a lock and we unlock it and we become a conscious parent. It takes time and practice. So the same thing as we declutter and we tidy up. It doesn't have to be done in one swoop all the time. So for artwork, because there is such an emotional attachment for a lot of people, I revisit it. And then I'd revisit it again, you know, whether that's six months down the line or I, for me, I did it once a year and then things I couldn't let go the year before, you know, cause all of a sudden you have a whole new stack of artwork mm-hmm. <laughs> Then I go through that again. And then now after, you know, 18 years, I have a box of their artwork that fits under the bed and every single piece in there is meaningful. And I look forward to passing that along to them once they have their own place of their own. Great tip. And I actually was going to ask you if they are involved in the decision making when it comes to what artwork is kept or is this purely what you're keeping that has been gifted to you or their artwork from them? That's the artwork that's been gifted to me. Okay. They've been obviously brought up with me tidying up. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they make decisions and I have to be honest with you. There's times they get rid of a piece of artwork or something else. And I'm like, oh, but, 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 you know, and it's like, no, that is not my journey. Mm-hmm. They're ready to part with that. And that's okay. You know, and, and obviously with moving out into college in just a few weeks of this fall, you know, they've been going through their closet several times already this summer and releasing objects that they no longer need. And I have to take a step back and just be a witness. And sometimes I never even look at what they go through because that's their journey. And what I have that they have given me or that I, you know, when they were little, I have, you know, this little thing that I know they're going to love or maybe they won't when they have it and I'll get rid of it. But at this point, I witness their journey of tidying up because it's not mine anymore. Beautiful. What a great gift and tools that you've given your children as they grown up and now are going out to the world. And I would love to also ask you, what's sparking the most joy for you at this moment in your life? At this moment, I would say first and foremost, I'm just excited for my daughters to just spread their wings and move on to college in the next phase of their life and what that's going to mean for our relationship moving forward, because, you know, it's going to shift. In a good way. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just excited for that. So that's sparking joy. And then, of course, my clients. Anytime I work with parents and I can see the shift, you know, of them looking back at themselves, finding a fear that was controlling their parenting, and then they just learning to weather a storm with calm rather than chaos. And so it just, it fills me up in ways that I can't express with words because it's just a feeling. But it's definitely sparking joy. Well, I think you expressed it super, super well. So do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? I would say something to just be aware of as you tidy up your external world. Don't forget to tidy up your internal world. You know, so continue to look at yourself and recognize that our children are mirroring back to us places we need to focus on ourselves. So We just want to be willing to listen and set aside our ego and hear what our children are teaching us. So, you know, to tidy up on the inside, ask yourself, why is this behavior upsetting me? What's beneath the surface? What do I need to heal? So I would start there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Tia, for joining us today on Spark Joy and really walking us through this revolutionary practice of conscious parenting. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I've had so much fun talking to the two of you. To contact Tia Fagan, visit TiaFagan.com and follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Tia Fagan Coach. Tia is offering $50 off a virtual or local four-session coaching package or $100 off a 10-session coaching package. Tia is based in Madison, Wisconsin, but again, these are for virtual or local sessions. All you have to do is mention Spark Joy to receive the discount. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community, or you can join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy.
Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media, Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media, Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.